Welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio, the podcast where marketing leaders inside and outside the sciences share their creative ideas and practical approaches to increasing your marketing ROI. Here's your host, Chris Connor. Hi there, and thank you very much for listening. Today, I have a topic you don't want to miss. We're going to talk about retargeting and how it allows you, without any increase in cost, but rather by shifting some of your budget to convert more of the people who visit your website into leads and sales. Before we get started, though, this is the 10th episode of Life Science Marketing Radio. I thought now would be a good time to explain who I am and what I do. My name is Chris Connor, and I have a business called Words to Wow Life Science Marketing. I help companies get more leads and sales with less effort, by showing them exactly what content they need to move their prospects through their funnel, the easiest ways to create that content, and how to easily repurpose it to extend their reach. If that sounds like something you've been struggling with, you can contact me through words, the number two, wow.com. Let's have a chat. Now, on to the interview. Today, my guest is Carlton Hoyt. Carlton is the principal consultant at BioBM Consulting, and they are a full-service marketing agency and consultancy working with innovative, growth-oriented life science companies to forge commercial success. And today, we're going to talk about retargeting or remarketing, as it's sometimes called. Carlton, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Chris, and thanks for that wonderful introduction. Sure. So, um... Just for people who might not understand, I think when you explain it, people will know exactly what we're talking about. But for anybody who isn't familiar with it, um, can you give an explanation of retargeting? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, the basic concept of remarketing, uh, the more complete name of which would be behavioral remarketing or behavioral retargeting, is targeting ads to people based on their previous digital actions. Uh, So, for example, if you went to our website, if you went to biobm.com, Uh, And then you poked around the internet after that, you would see our ads would kind of follow you around a little bit. So a uh, very broad overview of how this works, pseudo-technically speaking, is that it's based on cookies. So there's little pieces of data that get stored in your web browser when you visit different websites on the internet. And these cookies can store your activity. And if a website leaves certain cookies in your browser that are designed to send information back to advertising services, um, Google AdSense, for instance, then that user can be shown targeted ads based on previous behavior when you're on third-party sites, which display ads for those advertising services. Right. So you, I visit your site, and then your ads are following me around for some period of time after yep. I visited to get me back. and. Yep. Who, what companies, I mean, why should they be doing it? Well, the effects on conversion and cost per action are pretty huge. And I want to preface this by saying that there are a lot of quote-unquote studies out there, these non-scientific studies, which will tell you how great remarketing is. And a lot of them are from marketing agencies. They're based on anecdotal data. Uh, so they're kind of, you know, they're a little bit... Uh, how to say, uh, they're, they're a little bit biased. You know, they're from companies that have something to gain by plugging remarketing. Uh, so we tried to dig through all that and find some independent studies performed by neutral sources 
which provided insight into the effectiveness of remarketing. And we just did this like two weeks ago, and we came up with a couple examples that are, are pretty powerful. Uh, so Boston Consulting Group study found that remarketing results in a 40% reduction in cost per action and a 10% reduction in overall cost per click. And you might say, well, you know, why cost per click? Uh, and the answer is that remarketing clicks are generally less expensive uh, than the clicks that you might get through, say, search advertising. Uh, another study was from Comscore. They showed that remarketing leads to more than a tenfold increase in branded search queries. Uh, so, you know, if people are searching for your brand, uh, you know, if an individual is searching for your brand and then you target that person uh, with some kind of retargeting ads, then that person will, on average, search for your brand ten times more often uh, while you are retargeting that individual. Uh, taking a little bit of data from the retail sector, which I know is you know a little bit of a grain of salt because we're not the retail sector, uh, but it's powerful data. The National Retail Federation showed that 8% of customers who do not purchase initially will return to make a purchase on their own. Uh, but if you use retargeting, that increases the number more than threefold, up from 8% to 26%. So the really crazy thing about uh, retargeting or remarketing, at least as I see it, is that it actually saves you money. So a lot of marketers think of it in the same way that they think of other forms of advertising, and they say, yeah, well, we don't have the budget for an additional campaign. But that is the correct answer almost 0% of the time. Uh, so why is that? It's because retargeting actually lowers your cost per action. It enhances the effectiveness of other forms of marketing and improves conversion so much that it actually ends up saving you money. You can pull back on other campaigns in favor of remarketing and end up with more conversion for less money. Uh, I mean, in our sector, in the life sciences, I literally cannot think of a situation in which a company should not be leveraging remarketing. So, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty impressive. So if I had a budget for pay-per-click, I would reduce my costs by adding remarketing to that? Is that I mean, you, you certainly could. Uh, you know, if you have a fixed budget, if you say, well, you know, we have, just to give an example number, you know, we have $100 to spend. And we're currently spending $100 on, you know, normal search text ads. Um, if you were to take 10 of those dollars, let's say, and spend them on remarketing, you will get more conversions for the same amount of money. You might be able to spend, you know, $80 on uh, search ads and $10 on remarketing and get more conversions. So now you would get more conversions for $90 than you were originally getting for $100. It increases the effectiveness of other forms of advertising so that, you know, if your goal is to get a certain amount of conversions, then yes, you can spend less. Obviously, we normally encourage people just to spend a little bit more. Um, you know, if you're spending however much on uh, on whatever form of advertising you're using, uh, it's certainly worth it to throw a couple extra dollars into remarketing. And usually it's not a huge expense. It's not something that requires a large budget because the audience itself is somewhat small. It's only people that have already viewed your web content. You know, you're not going out and trying to hit everyone on the internet. It's not some big, huge campaign. 
Right. Yeah, they they've already self-selected as being at least somewhat interested in your business. So, why wouldn't you spend a few dollars to try to convert people that you know have some interest rather than spending more dollars hoping to find someone that might have interest? Yeah, exactly. I mean, this these are you know, people talk about wanting to be more targeted all the time. And this is about as targeted as, as you can get. These are people who have already come to you, who have already demonstrated some interest in your products by, you know, at some point in time seeing something, be it an advertisement, a search listing, whatever it is, and going to your site. So these are people who have some nascent interest, you know, regardless of the degree of interest. Uh, and that is about as targeted as an audience as you're going to be able to get. Right. And so we'll come back to that. But um, my next question is just to be clear, does this depend on an existing pay-per-click campaign? Not at all. Uh, you could remarket to people who come in via any of a number of different channels. You could pull people in with social media, uh, you know, SEO, just regular uh, unpaid search, with email marketing. All that matters is that they visit your website or perform some other action that gets that cookie in their browser. Right. Now, what if they watch a one of your videos, for example, that might show up on someone's Facebook page because they shared it? How about that? Um. Well... There are a limited number of other ways in which you can use remarketing or retargeting in the traditional sense. Uh, now, I, I say that because, you know, traditional remarketing generally means that, you know, somebody goes to your website and then you are targeting them with other ads. There is, you know, if you're thinking, well, retargeting, there are other ways of retargeting people, you know, drip campaigns in many instances, if somebody fills out a form on your website, are you know sort of non-traditional retargeting, but that's not what we're talking about here. Uh, so, in the more traditional sense of remarketing, um, I, I think YouTube is probably the best and maybe the only example of that. If you're using AdWords, you can link your account with your YouTube account and then retarget people who have viewed a particular video uh, or viewed your channel or liked one of your videos, commented, shared, etc. So in the example that you gave of sharing a YouTube video on Facebook, uh, that would work with YouTube. Yeah. Uh, so you can save those kind of settings, you know, the people who viewed your channel, who've commented on a video, etc., just like you would for a display remarketing campaign in AdWords and then remarket to them with video or display or text ads. But I think that is the exception rather than the rule. There are not a lot of other things out there like that where you can retarget to people based on an action they performed on something other than your website. Right. Okay. So we're, we're transitioning to talking about um, segmenting. So based on people coming to your site and actions they might have taken or pages they might have visited. Uh, let's talk about how you segment those and decide what you're going to serve. And as well as thinking about people you might not want to include in your remarketing campaign, how do you exclude them? Well, uh, with regards to segmenting people, it's like most forms of advertising in that, you know, you want to be as targeted as possible. You want to be as relevant to that particular individual as possible. Now, to use the example of uh, remarketing using AdWords just because it's so popular, there are limitations. 
for example, there is a minimum audience size of 100 people. And really, you wouldn't want less than that anyway, because the hassle of setting up the ad group, making specific ads for an audience that's going to be less than 100 people is probably not worthwhile. But there, uh, you want to be as specific as possible, as targeted as possible. So if people are looking at a particular product, you want to hit them with that product. That would be more relevant than targeting them with advertisements about a group of similar products. So as far as it's worth for you to drill down, that's what you want to do. Uh, with regards to excluding people, um, there there are certainly some cases in which you would want to do that. Uh, just use a real-life example that I'm familiar with because it happened recently in our own past. Uh, we have a client which manufactures uh, for their anonymity, I'll just say, certain types of equipment for elemental analysis. So they have really, really good SEO for some fairly common and relevant terms, but they have a pretty high bounce rate. So we did a little digging into their analytics, and we realized that they were getting a high percentage of visitors and a disproportionately high number of bounces from people who were searching for more general scientific terms instead of product-related terms. So, for example, they were looking for things pertaining to you know, spectroscopy as opposed to spectrometers, just to give an example. So they were likely looking for more educational scientific information. They clicked on this company's link because it ranked very highly. Then they saw that there was product-related information, which they weren't interested in, and they left. So we want to leave those people out because those aren't people who are actually interested in the product. So in this case, when we created their remarketing campaign, we excluded people who reached the site through a search for one of the more general scientific terms. Uh, so that's an example in which you, know, you might want to exclude some people. There are certainly other examples as well. Um, for instance, if you have an e-commerce site, you may want to exclude people who've already converted. Right. So... Let's go back to those people that came by a search term and you determined by their bounce behavior that they weren't looking for a product. Is there an opportunity there to promote some educational content? Is that, um, and you certainly know more about the details of what they were actually doing, but is there a situation maybe where they were looking for educational content and you might try to capture some of them in that way? Well, I mean, I think that's certainly in this instance uh, an opportunity and not just a remarketing type of opportunity. Uh, but, you know, it, it's an opportunity to play the long game, so to speak. If these are people who are interested in, you know, the scientific areas that surround this product, that this product would perform, uh, then they are likely to be people who would potentially be users or be interested in it in the future. Um, so, you know, we actually encourage the client to develop more educational content surrounding these topics so that they can do exactly that, so that they can, you know, create a more positive experience and hopefully a lasting brand impression that will carry over uh, downstream for when these individuals may be searching for a product. So, you know, certainly if you are getting a large percentage of people who are, you know, not in a buying journey, uh, there are certainly things that you should be doing in order to captivate their attention and keep them in your sort of branded ecosystem as much as possible. Uh, but, you know, it's just a matter of 
resources and you know how much you can afford to play that long game. Obviously, any company needs to think about the short-term revenues as well to stay afloat. Right. So you think uh, most people are most companies are using remarketing as part of their their short game for people to convert people with purchase intent. Yeah, yeah, I, I certainly think so. Um, I think you see a little bit of more brand focused than demand generation focused remarketing. Uh, I think that's the lesser of the two. If you were to categorize them into those two uh, buckets and say, well, which bucket's bigger? I think the direct demand generation conversion bucket is much larger. Uh, but even with the more brand-based advertisements, I think a lot of it is in direct support of some kind of, you know, conversion demand generation activity. Because these are people who have performed some action and the companies are then just saying, you know, well, here, think about our brand this way. Let's forge some kind of emotional connection or, you know, reach you on a different level that's not necessarily directly trying to influence your purchasing decision, but is trying to influence how you think about us, which will then influence your purchasing decision, maybe in a less rational manner or less direct manner than would otherwise be the case. It's a little bit of a throwaway, I think, to try to make a brand impression that is not directly linked to demand generation using remarketing because there's just a limited amount of value that you can convey in a display ad. Um, I mean, and maybe you can say, well, okay, we have this other uh, – this other area where we're providing value and we want to take the opportunity to get people who have interacted with us over to this other area where we can provide them with additional value and hopefully that will provide them with some kind of highly positive emotional experience where they will then improve their perception of our brand that will help us in the long term. Uh, but you just, I don't know, you don't really see that and I don't know how much it's necessarily worth to purchase people into that kind of a structure. It, it's going to depend. I shouldn't say it's not worth it, but it's it's definitely going to depend. And we're entering a very theoretical area where it's difficult for me to make very specific statements. Yeah, I understand that. I appreciate it. And because I'm always thinking about, well, at this moment, I'm thinking about the buying cycle and, um, Depending, you, and you can know how someone got to your site, so you can know a little bit about their purchase intent uh, mm -hmm. if they came through search. Now, if someone just happens to get to your site and you start remarketing to them, you might not know anything about where they are in the cycle. And so, and I understand with pay per click, and I am no expert at pay per click, but you know there is a cost, and you have to figure out you know what your fraction of conversions is going to be, and then how many of those people will eventually buy, and does it give you a positive return? But if you don't know where they are in the cycle, does it make sense to serve a collection of ads over the time period, um, which is something we didn't talk about? But you apparently you know you can set the time period and how many times you want to serve them an ad so that you're not driving them crazy or driving them away, even worse. Um, but could you serve a collection of ads that might present different content offers or something to 
try to figure out where they are in the in the buying cycle? Um, you certainly could. Uh, and I guess my follow up to that is: is that worth it? I mean, you you can technically. Yeah, that's. It, it, that's the big question, and I think it depends on how long the buying cycle is. Um, and I think you're you're sort of touching on something where there's not a universally correct answer, uh, but you know it touches on a deeper issue, which is how you use retargeting based on the nature of the buying journey. So, you know, to give you an example, say I'm selling a shirt, which is something that's really an impulse buy. You know, you're not going to put much thought into buying a shirt. You know, you probably don't even need to buy a shirt. You can live with one fewer shirts than you would otherwise have. It is not a life-changing decision that you're going to sit there and deeply analyze. So if I want to buy a shirt, I might not act on that impulse immediately. But, you know, if I see the shirt three or four times and I don't buy the shirt, I'm probably not going to. You know, the buying journey is that short and simple. So in that case, if you're saying, okay, well, maybe we'll show them a, a, you know, a couple different ads. Maybe we'll just show them the shirt. Maybe we'll show them some discounts for the shirt, whatever else. Then in that situation, it would work. Uh, you know, the remarketing campaign should, needs to match the, uh, the buying journey. So you know, target that person with shirts. Target me with a specific shirt, maybe another shirt. And if I don't buy within a few weeks, let me go. Right. You could draw an analogy uh, to our sector to things like really low-priced lab equipment like microcentrifuges or perhaps lab plastics or some other products that might behave like commodities. Maybe chemicals would be a good example unless you're sen- selling uh, in quantity. But you know, let's go to the other end of the spectrum and think about that as well. Maybe I'm looking to buy a nice mass spec. Maybe some big triple quadrupole LCMS system. Those run, what, like half a million dollars more? So regardless, it's a huge purchase. I don't just wake up on a Tuesday and say to the guy in the lab down the hall, I think I'm going to buy an LCMS today. You know, that doesn't happen. It's a long and complex buying journey, and the remarketing needs to accommodate it. So, you know, in that sense, it's, you know, we wouldn't necessarily want to just throw a basket of different ads targeted to different stages of the buying journey at someone who is in that kind of a situation. But at the same time, we probably will have a better idea of where they are in that buying journey based on their previous actions because the buying journey is so long and complex and they're going to be you know, researching different things and getting more information, et cetera. So you know, if this is going to be, let's say, a year-long complex purchasing decision, you don't want to just keep poking someone with ads reminding them that you're selling a mass spec. You know, you want to use behavioral cues in defining audiences that take into account their likely place within the buying journey and then use remarketing more as a tool to deliver content that would, uh, that would further them within their journey. So perhaps there are even other personas that influence the purchasing decision on a different level as well. Maybe there's a boss that needs to sign off on it or a team of scientists who would be doing most of the work with it but aren't really directly responsible for the purchasing decision. And maybe you can also identify those different personas and target them differently based on their own unique behavior. Um, I mean, there's a lot you can do with remarketing. And sure, it can get complicated, but for a big-ticket item, it can definitely be worth it. the overall concept of retargeting to specific audiences, if you want to think about it this way, uh, within particular places of their buying journey, isn't all that much different from what you would do with 
say, a drip marketing campaign enabled by marketing automation systems. It's just with a little less personalization. You can't put somebody's name on every single advertisement. Uh, so there's some benefit to using remarketing in this kind of a manner in a large campaign because it's easy to ignore or delete a handful of emails and you're probably not going to want to spam an audience with the same message more than a handful of times even if they don't open it but if you then go and back that up with display remarketing linked to similar content uh, and similar messages that you're pushing with your email campaigns you're now increasing the likelihood that someone will view and hopefully internalize that message right um yeah i'm just thinking about and so on the mass spec example and I, I guess i mean this is the going back to a technical question of building your list you could set up your retargeting list for example to say if someone has visited my website more than once or has visited this page multiple times I, i'm guessing there's probably a fair amount of flexibility in how you can define who you're going to retarget there is a fair amount of flexibility. There's, I should say, there is a ton of flexibility. Yeah. There's so much flexibility that I am not familiar with all of the different mechanisms by which retargeting can be uh, can be utilized. Especially, you know, if you're talking about going beyond uh, AdWords to all of the other different uh, platforms that allow retargeting as well. Things like AdRoll. But uh, normally, what I would do, just me personally, in something like that, is I would look at what content they have viewed. So I would say, okay, if you have gotten to this content uh, or viewed this particular page, et cetera, then that gives some indication as to where you are in your buying journey. So then let's target you with this basket of ads that's designed to further along the buying journey at that stage. Yeah. So let's, let's move on to the, the question that I know that always comes up with retargeting, and that is um, annoyance of <laughs> – Customers, so I think you have some data, right, that talks about um, the risks, or is it is are we overthinking the the idea that we're really annoying people with uh, ads that are following them around um, the internet? So, the two studies, uh, one was in 2012. It was a Pew Research study, and what they found was that 68% of people were not okay, quote-unquote, their words, not okay with it, um, it being remarketing, due to behavior tracking, while 28% are, quote, okay with it because of more relevant ads and information where the other 4% had no opinion. Uh, so a different study, a 2013 study performed by the market research agency Toluna, asked the question, and they found that 30% have a positive impression about the brand, uh, again, not about the ad specifically, but uh, about a brand for which they see retargeting ads, while 11% uh, retargeting ads cause 11% to have a negative impression, where most people, 59%, have a neutral impression. They just don't care. Now, the big difference between these two studies was how they asked the question and the options that were presented. The Pew Research Study uh, when they were asking if people were okay with remarketing or not okay with it, they actually, the, the uh, potential answers that people could choose from were something along the lines of, you know, I am okay with it because it allows me to see more relevant products and information, or I am not okay with it 
because I don't like my personal information being stored and used for advertising. And whereas, you know, the Toluna study basically just said, have you seen these ads? How do you feel about the brand after you see these ads? So it was much more neutral. So unless you prime them and you remind them that, by the way, we have your personal information and we're following you around and being creepy, ha, 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 you know, unless they think that, then they don't care. Uh, so it's, you know, some people don't like it. I, I certainly guarantee that. Uh, some people do like it. I really think that the honest answer is that most people just don't care. And honestly, it's so common that you're, you're sort of desensitized to it if you're using the internet on anything remotely near a frequent basis. And on top of that, I don't think that anyone should be discouraged because some people might not like it. You know, we can't, we can't limit ourselves as marketers to only doing things that people will like or that everyone will like. Uh, you know, people don't like being interrupted with emails, but we have to send emails. You know, it's the nature of the game. And if you look at the statistics that we previously mentioned for, um, for remarketing, the benefits are absolutely huge. And they certainly outweigh any minor negative impression that a few people might have because your remarketing ads are following them around. Yeah. <clears throat> and I completely understand people's privacy concerns. And sometimes it is jarring when you see an ad pop up in a place that it, you know, is completely out of context. However, having said that, there's going to be an ad there from somebody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if I've expressed an interest in something, you know, occasionally I'll, I'll go back. Sometimes I'm a little surprised I get an ad when I've already converted about the same thing. And I thought, don't they know that? I mean, if they're following me around, they should know I already own that thing. But um, it's an oversight. Yeah. Well, I I really appreciate you taking the time to answer these questions. I think it's a it's a very interesting, and I think obviously based on the data, a, an important topic for people to consider about where about putting some of their budget towards recapturing people who have already shown an interest in your site that didn't didn't take an action while they were there. Yeah, I mean, it, it's important. And again, it, it's something that's easy to do, that has very clear benefits, uh, and that really there, there's almost no drawbacks to it. There's no downside to it. Um, so, I mean, if anyone is listening to this and they're asking themselves, should I be doing this? The answer is undeniably yes. Uh, you know, if you're not using remarketing, you're just costing yourself conversions. That's pretty much all there is to it. And there aren't many other things in the marketing world where you can say that, that you, you absolutely know you should be. No, right? without I mean, testing. Not. Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of things are subject to the law of diminishing returns, you know, where the more you do them, the less effective it becomes or the more costly it becomes. And remarketing kind of isn't like that. You know, you can have your audience, you send them ads, they convert more, and the bigger your audience is, the more you can do it. It sort of just keeps going. Awesome. Hey, I'm going to ask you one question that um, I like to ask all my visitors, and that is uh, totally unrelated to science and marketing. But um, what do you like to do when you're not working? <laughs> what do you do for fun? No, hold, hold on. Let me let me uh, go back in time and, and imagine the point <laughs> where I did something other than work. Um, 
Well, I mean, honestly, uh, I I really do enjoy just the idea of, of business and marketing. Uh, I'm involved with a, a number of different startups, and, and to me, that's fun. Uh, but when I'm not sitting in front of a computer for some reason, uh, you know, I'm hanging out with my dogs, taking them to the park, go around somewhere, enjoy the outsides a little bit, uh, considering that, you know, my work involves me being cooped up in here all day. Um, I do like going out to, to clubs. I like electronic music of all different sorts, techno, trance, drum and bass, things that, you know, make most people cringe. Um, and I enjoy a good beer now and again. I think that's about the extent of it. I'm a pretty simple guy. Nice. It's, I just find it interesting. I've said this on several other podcasts, but there's always something that I have in common with the person I just spoke to and I didn't know it. But, you know, the whole getting outside with the dog thing, that's, you know, one of my favorite things to do. So. Yeah, I mean, I live in a beautiful part of Boston that's a little bit suburby, and there's a huge park near here, uh, Dorchester Park, and it's it's great to be able to take the dogs there. It's kind of like the whole place is a dog park. People just let their dogs off and run around, and it's nice. Yeah, I feel like I'm 12 again. I grew up kind of in a rural area, and remember hiking the hills with my dog, and now I live, it's kind of suburban, but we're attached to a huge open space in State Park, and I get the same vibe out there, so... Nice, nice. All right, well, thank you very much. Hey, thanks again for having me. It's been a pleasure. You bet. Thank you for listening to this episode of Life Science Marketing Radio. If you enjoyed it, a rating or a review on iTunes is always much appreciated. That will help me get more listeners so we can attract more fantastic guests. You can also find me on Stitcher Radio, and if you like, you can leave a comment on the podcast at words2wow.com. Have a great week, everybody.